Hello and welcome to the Comedians Outlook. This is a podcast where I, Luke Anthony, speak to fellow comedians about comedy from their perspective. In this episode, I speak to Louise Atkinson, who is a semi-finalist for So You Think You're Funny. She is also an absolute joy to hang out with, but annoyingly, with comedy, the only time we get to drink with our comedy mates is when we're at the same gig together. But right now, she's super busy doing previews all over the country for our new Edinburgh show, which is amazing, and is called Sounds Good, Looks a Mess. We do speak about this in depth in this episode, so before you can say Louise Atkinson, here she is. Firstly, Louise, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started comedy. Uh, so, I'm Louise, and I'm originally from the cultural delights of Hull. Hull? Oh, Hull. Beautiful, beautiful. Wasn't it? Place. Wasn't it a um, one cultural city of culture? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. So you started in Hull. I didn't actually. I'm from Hull, but I started in London. Did a comedy course to help me get over not feeling like an idiot on stage. Okay. And then went on and yeah, just cracked on with it. It's the only way you can go, isn't it? Just give it a shot. Okay. So what, <laughs> what sparked the insanity in the first place to want to get up on stage and share interesting stories? Oh, this great thing that comedians have of utter anxiety and depression and the need to be validated by strangers, I feel was a great starting point, <laughs> <laughs> as it is for most of us. So tell us about the show that you've, your, your, your new show. and It's called Louise Atkinson Sounds Good, Looks a Mess which is based off a genuine review I received last year at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival from a hmm. member of the industry. Nice. Um, Did you get it on Shortall? Um, it wasn't on Shortall last year, no. Um, it was a split bill last year. Um, so it was me and my friend Josh Bolf, who's a very talented oh, okay. comedian as well. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I received this review. It was from uh, a competition I did, actually. Um, and I was being put through to the final rounds and I got told um, okay. some feedback that I didn't ask for <laughs> was oh, okay. that I sounded uh, good but looked a mess. So how did, um, so, so what's the show about them? Um, so it's about how I've never been particularly bothered about my image before. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this was comedy and I want that to be, um, it's something that's very important to me. I was like, maybe I have to dress up like I would for an office. Maybe I have to be suited and booted. Maybe I do have to look a certain way. Maybe I have to change. So I tell a series of quirky anecdotes uh, to (laughs) illustrate times that my friends have tried to help me change my image and it's gone disastrously awry and hilarity has ensued. So tell me about your childhood. Is this actually happening? (laughs) Well, well, one of the things, one of the things like, I notice when speaking to comedians, either there there are some that are very confident and have had no issues in their life before, and they just they just want to do comedy. The rest of us, like ninety nine percent of comedians, have had some sort of marginalisation or difficulty going through life, and now finally we can sort of talk about it on stage and deliver it. And I just wondered what led you to do comedy. I mean, um, so why my life growing up in Hull might be sad. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Aside from it being Hull, um, what else? What else happened? Like, it, I don't want you to go too deep into it, but what? What was it that? Was there something that happened to you that that just made you want to either share it with with people to to break down stigmas, or is it was it a good way of dealing with a difficult situation? Um, to be honest, I think it's quite a northern thing to use humour to deal with all kinds of situations, and. I don't actually think that's that bad a thing. No, not at all. I think it thinks, makes things more approachable. It makes them easier to deal with. Uh, when you only use that and you don't use anything else, I think that's quite problematic. But mm-hmm. um, humour is very prominent in my household growing up, especially as a way of dealing with things. Um, very classic in the mould. My parents got divorced when I was quite young. 
and yeah. I was an only child, so I spent quite a lot of time on my own. So I did a lot of observing. Which, okay. Oh, that makes me sound creepy, like I'm a voyeur. No, I don't mean yeah. like that, but like just, um, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of like watching TV on my but, own and but, stuff like that. But if you're a single man and you, like, <laughs> and, and you like a little bit of foyer, then she's happy to go down that route. <laughs> Anything for no money. At all. You see what we've done there? We've taken it down to a dark mm. place. We've recovered it. We made it funny. Oh, there That's it is. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. It's all about balance. Yeah. So at what point, so when, when you first started, um, how did you go about like crafting your material and stuff? What, what did, where, where did you like... Um, feed feed your comedy from um well for a lot of time it it was just I had a piece of material and it was getting used to being on stage I think yeah. that's a lot of it is understanding that the audience is probably more scared of you than you are of them unless okay. you are in some clubs in the north <laughs> um, and it is a bit different but um for, for a long time it was just that um because I'm I'm a storyteller comedian so I just yeah. had a story that went from start to finish for five minutes um, I didn't stop for anybody laughing. I was like, this is my story. <laughs> You're going to listen and then I'm going to go, bye. Um, and so it was understanding that. And then it was sort of understanding the bits that people would laugh at. Yeah. And yeah. Um, if you could enhance it in any way, not just from language, but from your performance as well. Can a gesture add something to it? Can okay. an enhancement of your voice add something to it? So at that stage, were you writing like punchlines that for the story to go or is it just genuinely just like delivering a story to audiences at the start it is just i had this funny thing happen i think this is a funny story and then i craft it and whittle away to understand that sometimes the laugh isn't coming because of a punchline i've made it's because of a line i'm saying in a particular way or it's because i'm doing this gesture or this facial expression okay so almost elements of yourself then sometimes Sometimes. um but i I really can't watch myself back it's really difficult um so i usually make somebody else do it i trust (laughs) there are things you see about yourself that no one should ever have to see exactly and you only get that from a a camera filming you exactly see yourself from the side it's awful (laughs) it's the worst thing in the world yeah this is why i only observe others (laughs) yeah yeah so i i i don't always record them like 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 film them i often just record them audio and just listen listen to my tone the way i said something i don't know or something or do you but you've got quite a good radio voice whereas my thanks thanks yeah <laughs> i didn't I, mean that as in you belong on radio i mean you just have a no, good no, no, radio no, no, voice I'll, I'll take it i you know i'm um, one of the things you learn if you do a comedy course is uh don't turn down anything so um i'm available for voiceover work radio work anything that gets me a bit of money i'm sure yeah do anything um within reason I have to hold a little, keep a little bit of my integrity. I've my got soul. a cabinet that he's putting together. Can yeah, you do sure. That? Yeah, jack of all trades. Why not? <laughs> have you got some tools? No, that's <laughs> part of the problem. Why I haven't done it already. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay. So, how long have you been going? Uh, a couple of years now. A couple of years now. So you you sort of found your your space on stage. You a little more more comfortable with your like your presence on stage and, and your voice and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So how much um, have you developed the way you, you craft your material now then? Um, the initial part is still quite similar. I still come up with an idea randomly. Um, and try it on stage in a like an open mic night and then craft it from there? Or uh, No, for quite a long time I say it out loud to myself like a crazy okay. person yeah, yeah. Um, and just thinking that I'm hilarious and then if I can make <laughs> myself laugh I'm like well done I'm gonna go try it. and then nobody laughs and you're like you're an idiot you should like, get yourself a surround system could you imagine <laughs> and then when you laugh you just have the echoes just, of laughing yeah in different rooms as well so it sounds like it's going back and back and back and send that to the comedy store <laughs> that's my plan <laughs> yeah. nice and so 
you you're very much like you know you've got a funny idea in your head you go on stage you sort of tell the story you sort of maybe you like stumble your way through it a little bit and then then observe and then and then observe like your recording and think about it afterwards and then try and say okay if i move this punchline here or move this bit there and then call back in this place do you do you do that afterwards or do you try and do that all before you go on stage um a lot of it's still done before i go on stage i for a very long time had to know where i was starting where i was ending Yes. Playing about, I found very difficult, but that was because I was scared of the audience. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> what if they don't like me? You see, you now I don't care. No, exactly, <laughs> yeah. You soon realize that you don't lose any limbs after you've, you've done a, you know, you've died in your ass or something's not gone flat. And you can, just, you know, I always try and scope out like the fire exits or the little like ways I can get out quickly depending on where I am. So I can just get out. They'll walk a shame through like an audience is the worst part of your life ever. Yeah. Like, um, set, walk part of it through. weirdly is easier if you've driven to the gig but yeah. then you have that horrendous thing of when you're on your way home which is i've just driven for three hours to get there and i'll be driving three hours to get home to perform for 15 minutes where i died and nobody laughed and <laughs> <laughs> what was the point yeah. and that was the best part of my day like yeah. well, what am i doing with my life <laughs> i mean i like signs just as next as just as much as the next person <laughs> But when it comes to gigging, I do appreciate laughs. <laughs> just, just a little one. That would yeah. be great. Um, no blank expressions. I can't feed my ego off blank expressions. Yeah, one of the, one of the things about doing like intimate rooms or small small um, comedy clubs or pubs and stuff is that you can often catch like someone's facial expression in like in your eye line. So if you look at the wrong person and they're not quite getting it all the way through, and all you can do is think about the, for the rest of the set. It's like this person, there's one person that's just staring at you blankly. No matter what else is happening, I'm fixated on this person and suddenly I'm just performing to this one person and trying to trying to desperately get them to laugh. Uh, do you, so when you know that a bad punchline's coming up, do you direct it at that person? Because I steer away pretty quickly. No, I don't do that. To avoid just... them completely, <laughs> even if they're the only person in the room, which has happened. And I'm just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say it to you. I'm going to say it to this wall over here and they're going to love it. <laughs> I try and I try and just look at them and look really, really upset or concerned. <laughs> yeah, please. And actually, please look. I I have I've travelled a little bit of a way here. <laughs> Put I, a black and white filter on yourself and some sad music and like claim it's an advert for a charity. <laughs> um, how many shows have you taken up to Edinburgh? Um, was my first one was last year and it was a split bill. A split bill was that a thirty thirty thirty? Yeah. Okay, um, thirty thirty thirty. No, thirty thirty. Yeah. Why do you keep saying thirty? <laughs> that's, a, that's a split bill between like five people. Now. <laughs> 30, thirty thirty thirty. It wasn't yeah. like a five hour show. It was just okay, so is that and um, when you when you came to write your full hour, did you um, base it on that particular half an hour or expand that half an hour? So this is forty minutes this year. Forty minutes. Okay, so you've only added ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you fraud I know uh, it's actually completely different material is it yeah okay that's good uh, because this year is based off the review I received last year so okay. I couldn't have written it last year so a lot of your a lot of your set has been observations from the past how do you find your material as you grow do you, do you still talk about the old the old things that have happened to you in the past or do you just are you just do you just like attract shit <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is the story of my life but um what my biography will be called but um it's more this year's more of i think an opinion and point i have on a social ideology i think is quite prevalent at the moment okay. if you want to use big words and then i've used 
silly little stories from the past to heighten the ridiculousness, I think, yeah. of that idea. So, you know, I have a bit in the show how I find it ridiculous that if you go into an optician's, there are male and female sections for glasses. And to my knowledge, if I wear a pair of male frames, which more suit my face and aren't covered in fucking flowers and pastel colours, I don't need bollocks to be able to see out of them. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, um, So it's like things like that. Like I just find it ridiculous. Like if I want to buy a T-shirt from the men's section, it shouldn't be seen as stupid or that I look a mess or something like that. And quite conversely, if a bloke wants to wear a pair of, you know, salmon pink shorts, he should feel completely... Um, allowed to do so without feeling judged or that it's weird yeah so you're so you're you're taking like elements of judgment you've experienced in the past and then creating scenarios that would make them ridiculous is that is that what you're saying yeah basically so it's just looking at them from this really ludicrous angle like you know I talk about how uh, my friends and I you know when we were 18 we used to go to clubs and stuff like that and I never understood why you would wear treat yourself to a 70 pound outfit from whatever dress shop it was to go to a tiger tiger where you could probably get chlamydia just from being near the place (laughs) Uh, but you know the idea of just wearing jeans and a t-shirt was ludicrous and you couldn't do that you have to dress yourself up to be submitted to get hepatitis c like it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me yeah exactly (laughs) i spend a lot of money doing it and then wait in a huge queue to get in to experience it. Yeah, and in um, um, very uncomfortable shoes, usually yeah. if you were a woman. One of the things I notice when I, well, when I've, a few few clubs you go to, sometimes as a, as a man, they don't allow you to go in unless you come in with women. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And makes it prone to, what's a, and then some bloke probably just grab some woman off the street, be like, you're coming in here, love, let's go. It's a bit weird, isn't it? No, it is a bit it's weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't in there for long, I don't... <laughs> We lost our women and we had to be thrown out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. God, why do women always climb up windows when I see them? It is unfortunate. (laughs) Or or there's just two two exits in every female toilet in every club (laughs) I've ever been to. Yeah, well... Because they go in one exit and I don't see them again. I shouldn't really tell you this, but there is a secret trap door in all women's toilets for emergency exits only. I won't tell you where it always is because... I've got to keep it a secret because that's the law. Yeah, but that would be a really good exit to have if I'm dying on my ass at a gig. A trap door. Mm. Isn't that a bit fearful? Oh, I suppose you would control it. I was going to say, it's not like, you know, in like ye olde times where like a wooden hook would come or like a Roman emperor would like put turn the thumbs down and then a trap door would open and go like through the middle. You would be controlling the trap door to escape rather than somebody getting (laughs) you off stage. That that noise you just made is um, particularly pleasing for listeners' ears. (laughs) You're welcome. I hope I've made your day. (laughs) Talking about times, I I love getting into the the depths of like how everyone knows how it feels to die in their ass, but I like to specifically speak about like a time that you just... You've, you you did touch on it a little bit with like when you've performed to silence, but how, um, what did it feel like? And, and and tell me about a time that you did like just come out of it and you think I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is obviously there's loads of times you die on your ass. That's actually, how, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, how you perfect your material and yeah. how you get better. You learn more from dying on your ass than yeah. you do. But yeah, there was this this one gig and it was at this club in London and it was in December, which is like war zone for comedians um, because you can never do material at a Christmas party gig. They just want you to deal with them being drunk and rowdy and um, knobheady. 
And the guy before me went on and he was opening and he didn't do very well. Mm. No fault of his own necessarily. It was just the audience wanted to be spoken to and ripped to part and taken the piss out of and he didn't do that uh, because that's not his style. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, And then I went on and honestly for about 15 minutes there was literally nothing and even if you tried to engage with the audience there was nothing. I I described it as uh, like performing to death eaters or dementors like it was just sucking everything out of you and absolutely nothing Um, and I will always remember this because when I came off stage and the next guy went on he was heckled onto the stage with just be fucking good mate oh really yeah so there's nothing that tells you that you've done a well not necessarily done a bad job but nothing that tells you that they didn't like it when someone tells them the next person who goes on to just do a good job. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think that was that you did anything wrong. I think it's just you just it wasn't the room for you. It stuff. wasn't the room. Um they didn't want like I said they didn't want material. They didn't want um it also it it was a very very uh uh male audience and I was the only woman in the vicinity let alone just on the bill as well. Yeah. Um so in that situation not always but in that situation it's quite difficult to start with um for for a female comedian but then yeah it was just there was a lot of factors um there was also that i didn't have necessarily the skills at that time to to be able to deal with that better than i could have done yeah but it was it haunts me every time i go anywhere near that club in london and i'm like no 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 bad 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 times doesn't matter what they pay me i'm going back there (laughs) and so how do you pick yourself up after such a, a gig uh, I usually eat my body weight in chocolate. <laughs> Standard. Standard, yeah. Um, I then whinge about it for quite a long time to other comedians. <laughs> um, the, my good friend once, not just to anybody who will okay, listen. Yeah. Uh, anybody, like we, we know we do exactly the same thing. Um, but luckily, usually, um, uh, my good comedian friends, it works quite good as when they're feeling down, I'm maybe having a bit of a better time so I can pick yeah. them up. Yeah, okay. And it works the other way around. And but even even times when if you've been on the same bill together and one of you's not done well, there's a, there is that element that sometimes you just you just got to pick each other up and and you have to you have to you have to believe in the long game really with it because I don't know I don't know about you but I know a lot of comedians would just once they've done one bad gig they would just book up a ton more just to get another good one. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things I've been loving recently is because I now no longer am scared of the audience or care, really, what they think. <laughs> um, my uh, friend Louise Bastock, who is also doing the Cambridge Fringe and is an excellent comedian, has this thing now. Name where, drop. <laughs> um, but she uh, uh, she has this thing now where she's like, if I'm dying on my ass, but one of my comedian friends is there, I don't care because I know they'll be enjoying it because we know each other's material so yeah, much yeah. that me, I'm not laughing at her. I'm laughing at this horrendous situation we found ourselves in, which has happened to me and Louise Bassock so many times. Yeah. Um, and that make that makes it more enjoyable. So I feel better about dying on my ass in those circumstances because I'm like, oh my God, this is just so ridiculous. And you end up laughing at that, which is a much better way to think of it if you can deal with it. But sometimes you don't know anyone on the bill and it is just awful. <laughs> Um, but there is something about seeing your very talented friend die, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which sounds evil, but it's just hilarious. I can't explain it, but it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just gives you that. It just gives you that element of confidence, I guess. Where there's somebody that you really admire, or you've seen kill it, or um, you know, 
time and time again and maybe been a stronger a stronger comedian than most on the bill and then you see them have a really bad gig in some ways it just makes you feel like oh it's not just me then yeah um and and that does in in a weird sadistic kind of way it feels kind of good yeah um, um i mean it's mainly i would do that with friends of mine yeah rather like yeah. if it was someone i didn't know i wouldn't be like ha <laughs> that would be yeah. really horrible but i think you're so good no you're not look at this fool <laughs> trapdoor <laughs> yeah. yeah there's uh, loads of material there on the trapdoor <laughs> a bit weird though. A bit weird coming from the wrong person. Trapdoor stuff, dungeons love a and trapdoor. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. Or would you like down the trapdoor? That's the interesting thing. Uh, if it was chains. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say chains? I was going to go for cushions. You went for chains. Well, if you like your slaves to be comfortable, then that's fine. But... Well, hang on. Is it? Ne- it depends who's going through the trapdoor. This is back to our original point. If the trapdoor is for me to escape. I want cushions, a chaise long, and a white nightgown. Yeah. If it's for me to... And a very kind audience that would definitely laugh at everything you say. Yeah. Bye! <laughs> and they're the ones that are chained up sitting on the cushions. Do you know I just have? I just have my mum there. And she'd be like, Your I mom. just thought you were so good. Yeah. I'm like, thanks, mum, yeah. You didn't hear any of it, but I know you were good. Okay. Um, but if so it was... Charlie's, for- maybe Charlie's Chocolate Factory. Like Charlie Under the, the trap door? Well, yeah, because you said you eat your body weight in chocolate after That's- a gig. Imagine if you went down, all it is is just like chocolate fountains. Oh, God, but what if I'm like... like all your favourite chocolate. Um, what if I'm like Augustus Gloop, though, and then I get stuck? Because I've eaten so much chocolate, and then after all, I'm like, oh, I'm stuck in the trapdoor, I can't get through anymore, and I'm like stuck in the pipe. Set up a comedy club, called it in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's where the rest of us pretty much perform, is at a basement or upstairs. And there's just me emceeing stuck in a trapdoor from the back. Please welcome to the stage. Yeah. I'm sure they're very good. <laughs> Toblerone. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Some Snickers. <laughs> Me and my friends. That would be a good Batman villain, Toblerone. Toblerone. Mm. Mm. What's his power? Her power. Yeah, either. <laughs> I feel it needs to be more... LGBT. <laughs> yeah. Q, whatever, yeah. I don't care. Um, her power would be that <laughs> she could point at things from afar with her head. I don't know. It's in that direction, and it would be a ruse because it would actually be in the other direction. So she would. Well, um, table drawings are also good as toast racks. So when you finish your toast, you can slot toast in between them. So she's going to store up a load of toast. Toast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Do you and, know and DC and you... or Marvel aren't talking to me? No. <laughs> Shock him no. when I have all these great okay. ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I keep writing to them. <laughs> <laughs> Toast rack, mate. Toast yeah. rack. Stanley would have loved this shit. I'll tell you one of the things I do love about like like the English is that we like America will have all these like glorified kind of villains and everything or of our heroes and, and heroines and that. But in the UK we just created misfits and they had the most undesirable powers <laughs> ever. And that pretty much just sums up the hope and the the optimism that we have in the UK. Nothing the most we could do is have something that we can't touch people with. <laughs> I think it's a level of pragmatism. We're like, look, nobody's ever going to be that glamorous, so we might as well make them realistic. <laughs> and to be honest, to be honest, with everything that the world has thrown up at us, I don't know how spiritual people are, whether they believe in will or evolution and all that sort of stuff, but if you really think about it, um, those sorts of superpowers, the most undesirable ones, really annoying ones, are probably the sort 
<laughs> that the world would throw up anyway just because that's the way like natural selection works and evolution works um but yeah that's got but that's we'll got keep off. writing to them and we'll see what happens let's keep writing to them yeah just yeah. fine yeah law of averages eventually eventually, <laughs> eventually they'll run out of superheroes and they'll need a Toblerone yeah um to make us well they, they they might as well just reboot batman and just bring him back as a Toblerone what's no it's not that much worse than they've done in the past when they reboot He'd, he'd struggle getting into the Batmobile with an head with a Toblerone on. I'm thinking that it's just the head that's the Toblerone. Oh, really? I don't know why. I haven't pictured the whole body. Unless they could t- turn the whole body eventually into an entire Toblerone. Yeah, well, maybe they transform into a Toblerone and they just, they just, they just sit in a, a, a shop shelf and they sort of camouflage and they don't get noticed. Brilliant. So it's no one a, will know. <laughs> like a chameleon, but as a Toblerone. And that one time that they actually go into like a bakery and they go, oh my God, my disguise won't work here. I'm foiled. (laughs) In in two different types of ways. And then superheroes always have weaknesses like Superman has kryptonite. It's just if he gets lost in like a forest, Toblerone seems to stand out in the forest. Surely Toblerone's um, weakness would be the sun. The sun because they'd melt. Yeah. Mm. Or a fat kid. (laughs) That's true. That's also true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So the villain. Are you saying there'll be a villain or superheroes? Toblerone's a villain, I think. A villain? Yeah. Okay. All right. No, did you see him as a hero? Well, it depends. I don't imagine he could save much. Like, <laughs> he he could save a lot of toast. He might. He, he, <laughs> the most I think a Toblerone could do is be a fat kid's best friend. We, um, and they do need best friends. That's right. So superheroes. We've covered superheroes. We've covered DC, Marvels. Um... We're not, you know, we're not just comedians. We're not just radio presenters, apparently. We're not just <laughs> podcasters, you know. We've also got brilliant ideas for DC and Marvel films. Exactly. So We are well-rounded. We are available. <laughs> and we've got many other ideas than just Toblerones. Many, there's so many chocolate bars, you know, like, um, I don't know, a dime. Have you had a dime? Love yeah. So quite hard to hurt your teeth a little bit. That would be good because it'd be like oh, I'm deceptively weak on the outside, but then no, I'll crack you. Yeah, a little bit like Mr. T. Exactly. The Mr. T of chocolate. I was going to say if that was Mr. T. It would be a dime bar. I also think a Kinder Surprise would make not it that great. surprising. Kinder Surprise depends mm. what's in it. That mm. is a surprise. Because sometimes you might get the best one, you like nailed it. I think it'll be more surprising is if they uh, if they sometimes put a toy in there, but not always. <laughs> That'd be annoying. Just disappointed children. I've got this idea, right? And this is not an interview program anymore. This is just having a conversation with someone. Yeah. Got this idea, right? And I know there's there are modern kinds of way of terrorism, right, and fashionable <laughs> things to do now. Okay. Well, I had this idea that if you change the thread direction on every bottle in the world. When you yeah. touch a bottle, it goes one way, right? And now the listeners will be lo- looking at, if they've got a bottle near them, they'd be... Imagine if you turned it the other way, they would cause havoc. Everyone would just go mental. I do it on a Monday morning as well. So every time someone tries to open a bottle that day, they can't open it because they do it, they're opening it the wrong way. And this is your idea for terrorising Yeah, the just world. for a laugh. Just for a laugh. Or just for the crack? Yeah, yeah, just for a laugh, yeah. Right. Well, I, I don't take crack, but... <laughs> I've got enough, I'd like the money that you'd need to have a crack addiction, mm. but not actually spend it on crack. Well, if you put that idea to... Marvels. Marvels or terrorist firms. 
firms. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a organization f- cults. Yeah. Um, right, another another good bit to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> so I do ask this to comedians quite a lot, and I've just been I've been speaking to one of our, our comedian friends, Aaron Simmons, and he's also a storytelling comedian. And I just I always ask comedians like, what sort of advice would I give to like new comics coming in to the, the scene, starting out on the open mic circuit? The obvious one is obviously gig as much as you can, write your five minutes and try and do that as much as you can and get your sort of um, your stage presence and stuff. Is there any other tips you'd give to people that um, are just starting out in comedy? Um, make sure you keep some non-comedian friends. To keep, keep some real friends. Yeah. Like real, like normal friends, shall I say. Muggle friends, yeah. Muggles. <laughs> is that what they call them? That's what I've been referring to them as, my muggle friends. Oh, really? Which my friend who's obsessed with Harry Potter and isn't a comedian will probably hate that she's been called that, but yeah. Um, yeah. Because they are very useful for keeping you grounded, grounded. Mm. and sane. And they're not as heavily involved in everything. So even if you are complaining to them, they can't fuel the fire because they don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Um, and... It, yeah, uh, more and more apparent that they're very good to have around, especially when you go to something like the Edinburgh Fringe and you're there for yeah a month and <clears throat> you're in this weird bubble. Um, there was a comedian once who said that Edinburgh Fringe and other fringes are basically like Magaluf for comedians. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it's just mental and, and you need stability. Yeah. So yeah. make sure you keep them around. That would be my advice. Okay. Keep real friends. Keep, keep real friends. Keep if you have friends. them. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have them, become Do comedy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Those laughs can be your friends. Yeah, if you yeah. get them. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky enough. Any other advice to give to comedians at all? Any Anything else other than like the obvious? Remember to have fun. Remember to have fun. Just enjoy it. Which is so silly, but you get so wrapped up in it because <laughs> I think you find quite a lot of comedians are very serious and boring do you know when they're always like oh i'd love to have all these comedians around for a dinner party i'm like you really wouldn't like (laughs) that would be the dullest party and the loudest party probably well yeah because you never you can never get a word in edgeways yeah um everyone trying to just tell their material basically that they want to test that they think it's an open mic night it's like could could we just talk about i don't know the news like that would Mm. be great well political comedy no just just a normal conversation um and but basically you get too wrapped up in i need to perfect this i need to perfect that i need to do the other i need to do this many gigs by this time when actually the reason you probably started doing it is because you like being funny and you like making people laugh and once you've got all the scariness out the way it's just fun and that's when you do your best comedy when you're having fun irrelevant of what your style is very simple but so you're now you're now regularly getting paid um to do comedy which is amazing and congratulations um, <laughs> not bitter at all no no um so what's the aside from like you know you've got obviously you've got edinburgh coming up you, you you've been at the um cambridge fringe what's the next sort of plan for you after that um i'll hopefully be doing my debut show next year you're gonna tour that one yeah yeah in theory uh, if it all in goes theory. well, if it goes catastrophically horrendously, we will never speak of it ever again. But at this moment, I should invite you back afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> why are you still crying? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Marvel haven't accepted my ideas either. It's horrendous. <laughs> it's a terrible year. I hope I don't cut the other bit out. Make absolutely no sense Just right now. Just making sure yeah. it stays them. So you want to you want to you want to create your own your own show, your solo show, and you want to tour that around the country. Yep, around the world maybe. Um, I'd love to go do the Australia Melbourne comedy 
festival yeah. and the Perth one because I got lots of friends there and it's a great place to holiday. Mm. And they're sometimes funny in Australia. I'm sure I could join in. <laughs> sure, it'd be great. Um, yeah, I'd love to take it there. It'd be really good. And uh, have you already started showing, uh, writing that show or is that going to be a part of what you've already written? Or? Uh, I have started writing it. Got ideas for it floating around, some bits of material I'm testing out. Um, but it's good because I've got quite a long time to prep for it. It won't yeah. be as in my face as um, this one is a little bit. Um, so it'll be good. Okay, well, um, just now you said that I'm a really good support act. Got a, yeah. You know, I'm really good on tours. I, I, mm. I've just done a couple. I really went down A couple really well. went well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've already done a couple. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually doing comedy clubs, but supporting is always good fun. It's the most un, un, It's the most unpleasing bit of it all because everyone's sort of annoyed that they come to see you and there's mm. some other prick coming on talking shit. You uh, like the free gift with a magazine that nobody... Wanted. thought they would yeah. enjoy but a they bit, do they do enjoy it a bit like a bit like when you two put a load of songs on people's iphones oh god you remember that it was horrendous yeah but i've still got the songs on there and i i just assumed i'm right? not criticizing the music no that's a different it's just a bit of a very self it was just self-absorbing obviously everybody would want this u2 yeah, album yeah. do you know at the time though i <laughs> i didn't even know right that they had done this i, I was completely nasty and it's completely true Completely nasty, oblivious to the fact that they'd done this. I only realised a couple of years ago, right, <laughs> that they actually had done this. I just assumed that when I was putting music on my iPhone, you were just I'd such just, a big fan. <laughs> well, that I that might have actually. I don't really. I didn't actually like you two that much, but because I was taking songs from my dad's my dad's collection, I assumed you might have had some U two stuff, and just absolutely assumed. I thought I was the only person that had these <laughs> songs on my phone, and then. I recently listened back to like an old, like a back catalogue of a podcast and someone was talking about it and this was when it actually did happen. I was like, oh, really? This whole time they were actually meant to be on there. And that, I just thought when I changed phones and they put in my iCloud information that it just brought over the songs I had from my previous phone. Right. So yeah, I've been oblivious <laughs> this whole entire time. Had you not time. watched anything at the time that it happened? Were you... It, in a trap door at that point yeah. where you were like yeah I died on my fucking ass <laughs> spend that because eight. that was everywhere so I'm very surprised that you completely missed it missed it absolutely missed it interesting it's yeah. weird that you keep learning stuff as you get older though I for example only learned recently that you know Monster Munch yes oh yes I didn't I thought they were feet yes but they're aliens yeah absolutely disgrace. I didn't know they it's don't like, look like aliens. Well, they do, you I guess. Can say, but, you, you, you can when you put them the correct way up. But when you, if you pour... Okay, so let's... If you look about look at this from a logical point of view, right? If you pour a packet of... And if you've got... Okay, I've just spoken about bottles and opening bottles. If you pour a, a packet of Monster Munch onto a table, empty onto a table, just make sure that they're still edible after you've done this because that'd be an absolute <laughs> shame to lose a Monster Munch. And actually, you are person. looking for sponsors for the podcast if, if you are Monster Munch... <laughs> Fucking love them. I'd say loads of good stuff about them. Mm. Um, but when you pour them on there, they, they lay flat, right? Yeah. So, so, so they appear to look like feet anyway because they, they sit on a table like they would feet. They would rarely, very rarely come out of a packet and stand like a monsters. I understand that point and I agree with it because like I said, I thought they were feet. Why are you eating your crisps by pouring them out, pouring them out onto a table? No, this is just for a demonstration. Oh, this is just this for a demonstration. Just so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining me, Louise. 
Thank you for the laughs. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Louise Atkinson, who definitely did sound good. And in the interest of selling out her Edinburgh show, I will say she also looked a mess. All the ways you can follow her on social media are in the show notes. And you can also find links in the show notes to where you can buy tickets to her Edinburgh show, Sounds Good, Looks a Mess. That's showing at 3.40pm all of August at the Laughing Horse at the City Cafe. I really do recommend going to see her if you're up in Edinburgh. She's an absolutely brilliant act and just an amazing person. So just, just go and support live comedy. It's really important. Remember to check out my list of gigs as well on my website, lukeantonycomedy.co.uk. There on the right, and after you've done that, navigate yourself to the Comedians Outlook page under the tab Podcast. There's a donate button there. I have got a rare post amble for you today. I don't tend to use this podcast to exert my insecurities or perceptions on society. And I shan't be doing that today. I just have a small update on my career, actually. So that's coming right after this little jingle. In the episode, Louise makes a comment about me having a good radio voice. I genuinely took that as a compliment because I do enjoy listening to radio. And coincidentally, I am joining a community radio station to present one of their most popular shows. I can't give too many details out just yet because there are contracts to process and all of that sort of stuff. But I should update you as soon as I know I'm going on air. Writing a comedy is still very much at the top of my list of passions, but I'd love to get to the point where I am working in and amongst the entertainment industry. It would obviously help with contacts and opportunities, and it would just be amazing to make something that I love doing a job. This is a big step towards that, and you will be one of the first people to know if it does become a full-time job. Many have said in the past to me that if you have too many different talents, then you'll never be brilliant at any of them. But it really can't hurt to have another string to your bow which may facilitate another one of your talents or passions so i'm just really looking forward to that and i shall keep you updated with how that goes that's it from me have a great week and speak to you soon hello i'm luke anthony do you love hearing about the stars careers lives and mental health or meet the stars it's a brand new podcast all about that Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.